Hey guys, I don't know if you're like me, but I love Count the Dings and everything it has to offer. I just can't find everything I need. You know, I know about Cinephobe and I know about the mailbag and I know about Bomb, but that's all we do, right, I mean? No, we do so much more. What? Yeah, absolutely. If you sign up, patreon.com slash count the dings, you'll find a plethora of other content, fresh content, extended content, the OG pod overflow, the Cinephobe cold opens that we've taken and made their own thing to live only there. The Rewatchingtons, bomb in its full Ooh. and unadulterated cut, early drops of Cinephobe episodes, and so much more. You said the OG pod. Now, is it new or is it old? Mace, I'm glad you asked that. It is a new incarnation mm-hmm. of the old OG pod. Oh. So it's me, Zach, Trey, Waz, Tom. I love those guys. Just like we always were. Going back to the True Hoop days, mm-hmm. we're recreating that magic, recapturing it, and putting it back out. We're talking hoops. We're talking pop culture. And most importantly, we're talking for 40 minutes for free. Mm-hmm. But then another specific Patreon exclusive segment for every one of those episodes. Funny enough about that OG pod, you're getting Tom and Trey on Mondays. You're getting me and Waz, aka Zosny, on Wednesdays. Amin's floating in between. I'm a floater. You never know when you're going to get Amin in those, so you got to listen to them all. And what if I'm not sure what Maze looks like? Because I've always thought he's a fat man with a fedora. He's got a weird voice. How can I see for myself what this Maze character actually looks like? It's crazy you don't know the answer to this. Hmm. because it's the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. What? The CT5s on the Cinephobe Pod YouTube page. You can look at all of us. You can get all the OG pods on YouTube too at CountTheDings1 on YouTube, at Cinephobe Pod on YouTube, patreon.com slash CountTheDings gets you everything all in one feed. You can link it to your Spotify. And now enjoy the show. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's Pack Your Knives. I'm Kevin Arnovitz. And I'm Tom Haverstroh. Tom, we are on the eve of Top Chef 16, and we thought we'd put together a little teaser, just a little taste, a little amuse-bouche to get us ready for Top Chef Kentucky. You and I have been to Kentucky before. At my wedding! I was at your wedding in Kentucky. At, at Was it not the Brown Hotel, home of the hot brown, the most famous food ever, purveyed by the good people of the Commonwealth of Kentucky? That's right. Uh, Is it a commonwealth or a state? uh, It's a commonwealth, I believe. it's a commonwealth. Absolutely. Good for them. Good for them. My wife is from Louisville, Kentucky. She went to Ballard High School. Um, She has – I opened my eyes to the cuisine and the libations of Kentucky. And you know what? Top Chef followed suit. They decided to do season 16 in Kentucky, not just in Louisville apparently. I just watched the Bravo teaser video. Uh, They're going all over. Kentucky. So it's a beautiful state, beautiful food, beautiful people. And uh, I'm excited. Uh, I mean, beautiful food. I, I think that is, uh, as a declarative statement goes, I mean, I don't think controversial, but I mean, what do we have? Well, I mean, it was sort of the, the, the starting lineup. I mean, we on the on the 
forget the libations right now because we know about the bourbon and the mint julep absolutely in terms of spirits kentucky is second to none but after the hot brown you've got like the only one i know is sort of the the is it the burgoo which is that like kind of squirrel possum stew (laughs) yeah i I, i've never had burgoo i've i've read about it it seemed like one of those sort of kind of classic appalachian american foods like just you get what you kill yeah for sheer subsistence the great scotch irish people of the uplands of kentucky would basically take roadkill and and make it into food Um, bourbon balls yeah bourbon balls are delicious they're uh they're just essentially these these desserts uh like kind of like dates no no sorry getting that mixed up bourbon balls like almost like uh, the milky way kind of uh, sugary sweet filling but it's just alcoholic um so you can fill it with whatever makers or wild turkey or whatever you do but my my mother-in-law makes some really delicious bourbon balls with it's a chocolate covering with a pecan thrown on top it's delicious there's also derby pie which is kind of just a sugar bomb <laughs> derby pie after a kentucky derby of course is like like a cookie chocolatey walnut uh bar uh sorry pie it's delicious but it's also just super sweet so we've got a cast we know this we we those can uh listeners can go onto the bravo tv website you can look at the cast um before long you and i will have a draft of the season 16 competitors and uh, judging from our performance last year, the, the, the draft will have a zero correlation with the potential <laughs> success of the contestants, uh, which only underscores kind of something that I, you know, I, I think Tyler kind of, uh, you know, in conversation with him last season, that one of the things we've learned kind of getting to know some of these chefs and getting to know the production of the show and and whatnot is that Top Chef's sort of an entirely different event from cooking or chefing, right? That, that like that, that who you see in the finales of these shows are obviously extremely talented chefs, but chefs that may or may not be infinitely more talented than uh, the people they've eliminated, that it is a special skill set to flourish on this show. You can have the greatest training in the world. You can do the Thomas Keller, Alain Ducasse prep prestige trail. And at the end of the day, there is a very particular fast twitch kind of skill that is demanded to be a champion top chef that that has you know somewhat of a correlation to your, your skills in the kitchen but kind of as its own freaky mm-hmm. sixth sense yeah it's almost like you're you're judging basketball players based on their combine and their measurements but and interviews but never seen them play basketball before you know, like what what seems like a good top chef contestant on paper doesn't actually translate into the actual game. So Tyler, in our interview last year, if you remember, he was just like, I, I bleeping hate uh, quick fires. Like he hates them. Like he's like, they're stupid. They're quick. It's just the worst. And and of course, he might not have been good at quick fires. He won the first challenge, which I took as meaning he's going to win this whole damn thing, because statistically looking at top chef contestants, which I did uh, the best predictor of winners is the person who won the first day and he won the first day. And I thought, man, this is, you know, LeBron James going number one in 2003. And it wasn't, turns out he was more like Oliver candy, not because Oliver candy wasn't bad, but it was bad, but it was just Tyler. He was pretty bad. He was pretty bad. (laughs) Michael Oliver candy was pretty bad. I was a season ticket holder, but, but hold on a second. So now remind me again, because this was one of the great revelations of doing the show with you last season. It was the person, not who wins the first quick fire, but who wins the first uh, challenge 
Yes, uh, the, the first event, the first elimination first, challenge, the first elimination event, right? Um, was was the was the most important of all of them. The most important challenge to win was the first one, and you'd think, all right, well, I mean, there's 14 contestants, 15 contestants. How important could it be? But if you win that first one, there is a strong correlation of of winning the whole thing, and we'll get into that after the first episode, um, talking about you know, whether we want to draft that winner of the first episode, uh, again, but this is an interesting group of, of chefs. We don't, one thing I noticed, Kevin, looking in this group of 15, there isn't really a Bruce Coleman here, right? Like there's not a, well, a, a, I, a super I, famous chef. You think? No, not super famous. I would say that if you're Eddie Conrad and you were the chef de cuisine at Laurel in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, yes. uh, that is, that, that is a resume item that did pop out to me. Uh, it's it's a beloved restaurant among foodies in Philadelphia. I have not yet eaten there. It's a very tough table to get. Um, it's in that neighborhood, just kind of south of, not actually all the way in South Philly, but between South Philly and, and Rittenhouse Square, kind of you know on the way down there. Uh, and it is a, I mean, chef de cuisine at that joint is a is a major resume item. I mean, you look at the sixteen contestants. I think fifteen or sixteen we saw on online. That would definitely. Uh, stand out to me. Uh, on the other hand, you also have, um, you know, I was talking about that sort of that 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 prestige track, and there's this uh, young chef named Brandon Rosen, uh, who notably grew up with a family chocolate factory uh, mm. in Michigan, but then went on and did the Alain cast that the Thomas Keller. He he's now a private chef in Silicon Valley. Lord knows what you must get to be a private <laughs> chef for one of those like techie people in the in the Allbirds. Um, I feel like I feel like they just deconstruct everything. Disrupt this dish. That's what I'm imagining a Silicon right, Valley just, chef just, to do. It's it's baby food. Just that, that is. <laughs> um, but at any rate, so th- 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 that would be a th- that at least in terms of kitchens one's worked in. Um, I, I kind of love there. There's some some really fun uh, bios. I mean, I I always am interested in the local contestants, right? They always kind of have uh, a few close to home chefs. There's a chef named Sarah Bradley from Paducah, Kentucky. And what I love about her is it, it spoke to me was she's half Jewish and half Appalachian. So there, there's going to be a little, and I, I love uh, as a Southern Jew who kind of grew up with dinner tables that had both like kugel and okra that's that's always been a thing for me so uh, i was very excited about that uh, and there's some other very interesting um I- interesting chefs and we'll know these people a lot better now uh this time next week obviously than we do now yeah eddie eddie conrad a note about him is he worked under nicholas uh from top uh top chef season nine who beat out uh nina compton very controversial finish uh nicholas elmy who i guess is oh yeah the owner the owner of laurel um or i guess the the chef there at or at or laurel so i think this is a man the pedigree there for eddie is, is really strong um not only uh is he a big fan uh, you're a big fan of the restaurant, but also that restaurant has top chef ties. So a lot of controversy around Nicholas beating out Nina Compton and Luis. Um, I can't pronounce his last name, but he did just get named Kevin. I emailed this to you. I don't know if you saw it. Um, he just got named the sexiest chef alive by people magazine. This, uh, Luis from, uh, from season nine, who was in like the finals with Nina Compton and, uh, and Nicholas. So, Anyway, that was just a, a tangent there, but but Eddie's got some strong pedigree. It's like working under Popovich or something like that. Um, so that's good for him. The only have you eaten at any of these restaurants that, through these bios? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a handful of them. Uh, one of the contestants. Uh, sorry, I just went to your uh, most sexy uh, <laughs> chef alive link, so I, I clicked off of my my worksheet here. Um, but uh, Michelle Minori ran the kitchen at Flower and Water in San Francisco, and I'm not normally a big pasta guy, but I mean that's an exceptionally good restaurant. And uh, one might imagine that she might take the, the 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 contestant in Top Chef who forever wants to do pasta for every challenge. Um, you can imagine that if you ran the kitchen at Flower and Water, that we might see a great deal of pasta making from Michelle Minori. She's um, a Joe Stash. Yeah. Uh, another one is, um, and I'll, I'll kind of a, a, an early, fa- early not favorite of mine, but, but a fan favorite of mine, um, Nini Nguyen, who uh, is a Vietnamese American chef who grew up in New Orleans and worked at, I think, one of the more historically underrated restaurants in New Orleans, Coquette. Oh yeah, uh, which I is think a place you gave I gave me a, a yeah. recommendation to go to Coquette once. Yeah, Coquette's fantastic. I mean, it actually has so much going for it, just apart from just really well executed food. It's also a great place to go. You know, one thing's the problems you run into in New Orleans is there aren't enough days and nights. You know, not, not enough nights for the dinners you want and the restaurants you want. And Coquette always does this great. great I don't know how it's been a couple of years, but like always like a great thirty dollar lunch prefix that you could just go and just have a great, great meal and sample their food. Um, you know, it'd be obviously a smaller, smaller set, but Coquette was always, is always one of my favorite underrated New Orleans restaurants. And, and she kind of, I think, came up through that kitchen. I don't know that she had a very senior position there, but, but she certainly got a glimpse. Um, so, you know, so they're, they're, you know, they're a handful of restaurants. It's, it's interesting. Um, it's, uh, they're, 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 you know, we have a chef from Dothan, Alabama, you know, a Gulf Southerner. Um, we have we have so so it's not we have a couple I think it's chefs from Cincinnati, so uh, not as many NBA cities uh, for the two of us. Um, no, where most of our Pop- great food originates. Pablo Lamone from uh, Twenty Seven Restaurant in Miami. Have you been to that Miami Beach restaurant before? You know, I have not. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is the Miami Heat have not been very good um, since you left. <laughs> and I haven't had really much occasion to go to Miami recently, which is a shame. Like, I need to get to Art Basel or something because um, – I, I'm I'm really behind on my Miami. You know, I'm still stuck in Michelle Bernstein land. Yeah, the Twenty Seven's an amazing meal and a really cool restaurant. It's like almost like in a house. You feel like you're in a living room when you eat there. Um, just the vibe there at Twenty Seven is fantastic. Uh, so Pablo Limon, um, that's a that's a really good thing for me is seeing a Miami Beach. Uh, uh, you know, hailing from there is great because a lot of successful people on Top Chef have come from Miami. We just talked about Nina Compton, um, but also Jeremy Ford. I guess Pablo Lamone worked with or under Jeremy Ford, who uh, won Top Chef. I guess he's cr- uh, Crudo Bro, if you remember Crudo Bro. So- I love Crudos. Um, <laughs> yes, I've been I've been playing around with with Crudos in the last seven. What kind of what kind of what like a hamachi? I think, I think you, yeah, yeah, like like I, I've been pickling like these like Serrano peppers. And, and, um, I think you even gave me a like on one of my little Instagram crudos, mm. you know, and, um, you know, truffle oil is a wonderful thing. Um, but really like, like scallop crudo is still like the raw scallop crudo mm. with just a little acid, um, an interesting oil. Like it, it's just, uh, I, I've crudos are, I, I'm, I, I will never, I, I will never fully accept the ridicule that uh, chefs direct toward those who engage in in maximum crudo. If you have uh, fresh, if you have fresh seafood, there is no better thing yeah. than a crudo. Like, it's a I like raw bite. fish. Like yeah. raw fish is perfect food. Forget the fact that it's healthy and and, um, and guilt free. Like like raw fish, 
brushed with a little acid and a little oil or, or some component um, is kind of perfect. Uh, interested to see um, a young chef uh, from from Pinch and Plate, a place I've heard about but not have been in uh, the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, is also- he is one of the people's sexiest um- – chefs in america he was one of the 10 finalists so he's already finalist for that and now he's a finalist for top chef eric ajipong uh he's from ghana with a lot of west african flavors so i'm interested to see eric's performance in top chef how would you uh, i have, I have eaten i have eaten in ghana i ate for what? in ghana for for yes I, I i went to ghana i had my my fufu and my my, my banku and all my goat stews and 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 whatnot so uh um I'm excited to see a Ghanaian American chef. Uh, the, the food in Ghana is league average. It's not great. <laughs> okay. It ain't like, like Eastern Africa to me, like greater sign than Western Africa when it comes to food. And I, I will probably get um, many comments to the contrary. Uh, you know what, Kevin? Food. We'll have to bring Eric onto the show t- for him to, uh, to rep West African food. No, I, and again, I, I, I really enjoyed eating in Ghana. Look, it's all better than, you know um, – uh, I mean, hell, uh, you go, there are regions in the world that I've, I've eaten much poorly. Um, I had a good time eating in Ghana. Speaking um, of places that Kevin has eaten poorly at couple people from Boston here. Yeah. You know, I, I need to give, I need to, I need to lay off Boston a little bit. Like I, I just, I, I, I probably should lay off Boston a little bit. Um, and we, have, we have Brian Young from, uh, from cultivar who calls himself a butcher slash, um, charcutier. I don't. How do you pronounce that? He is someone who does charcuterie. Char, charcutier is that I right? It's a charcuterie. I think you're right. I, I don't know. He um, is a charcuter charcutier. And then there's uh, Chef Adrian Wright from Boston from Boston Urban Hospitality, the executive chef there. So we have two people from Beantown. Interesting. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays your favorite butcher turned podcast producer. And I'm here to talk to you about butcher box. Butcher box is the most convenient way to get high quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then it's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture. You are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer, and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than ButcherBox. So sign up at butcherbox.com dings, D-I-N-G-S, and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, it'll be an it will be an interesting season. I mean, I, I'm I'm curious to get impressions from the first challenge so that we can do our draft. Uh, I, I thought one of the more humbling and kind of amusing parts of Pack Your Knives season one for us, season fifteen for them was just how utterly awful we were at, at drafting and, and scouting talent based on an episode of television. And, I have uh, I have the stat here, Kevin, by the way. 43% of Top Chef winners also won the first emula- elimination challenge. That's a pretty big stat. That's a big number. Forty, uh, Just about half of the winners uh, also claimed the, vic- the victory on the first elimination challenge. So as you watch this episode coming up here on Thursday night – Keep in mind that it is just about a coin flip whether this person will be the, sh- the Top Chef winner. By the way, Pinch and Plate, I am learning, is not a restaurant. It is it not a like restaurant. restaurant. It's, it's got not an a restaurant. A- it's got an and in there. It's got an ampersand. Um, just because it has an ampersand does not mean it has a storefront. <laughs> and 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 what we're learning is actually it is uh, similar to, I think, um, you know, sort of at least in Los Angeles here, the Wolves Mouth experience. Uh, it is a pop-up dinner party. And so, like, you book a dinner party. And, uh, and so, I mean, they're not caterers. I mean, it is, it is truly a kind of roving pop-up, but it is not a, um, it is not a restaurant. So, um, pinch and plate. You know, that's uh, interesting. What, There's a couple backgrounds here that aren't your standard um, big-name chef or big-name yeah. chef, executive chef at a big-name restaurant. There's cooking with Caitlin, Caitlin Steininger. Steininger from Cincinnati, um, she basically built out a digital show called Cooking with Caitlin and is now the executive chef at Cooking with Kate Caitlin, which is CWC in Cincinnati. So that's also I like that. I like how we're kind of democratizing the the top chef. Um, so there's there's people from all different places different backgrounds coming into Top Chef. Yeah, I mean, uh, am, I, am I remembering incorrectly, but that the sort of, hey, I, I, I run a catering company or I'm a private chef. Uh, chefs have not performed terribly well relative to other contestants. I would imagine. Um, it's something to look into for this season, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it's and, and maybe it's that there's something about the heat of the kitchen uh, with the full house that, that provides the... You know, uh, the chops that, that you uh, you need to, to flourish in a, in a competition. I don't know. But um, I always feel like there are always a couple of talented chefs who nevertheless are sort of private chefs or caterers who, you know, don't advance as far as the, you know, not so much the people who grew up in the prestige restaurant. Actually, it's often the line cook or, or the people who've had the the sort of that experience um, in, 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 in restaurants. But uh, what do we know about season uh, before we go? Like, what do we know about season 16? We, um, the in, we can say it uh, because it was put out on the, the video promo, but there is a twist to this season. There's three restaurant wars uh, and there's not just two, there's three restaurant wars this season. They're going to be at Churchill Downs for a couple 
or maybe one of, I have no idea if it's a couple, but they'll be there. Um, a couple like tea leaves from the promo video is, uh, John Calipari. They're going to be at Rupp arena for the Kentucky wildcats. He will be a part of this season. So, you know, I think that's really it. Kevin is they, they listened to our show and they said, we need more crossover with basketball. And they brought in John Calipari. I wonder what it's like to cook for John Calipari. I mean, you know what it's like to talk to John Calipari. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the guy is just effusive. He's um, awesome. I mean, I, I every time I see him, he is just shaking everybody's hand. He owns the room. He's super fiery, super happy. Like, I'm sure he says he remembers who I am every time he sees me, but he probably doesn't. But he just makes you feel like he knows you. And that's just how you got to be as a college coach. So I'm curious to see how he does as a top chef judge uh, this season at Rupp Arena with a bunch of screaming uh, Wildcat fans. That's going to be an interesting uh, – environment i think another we have we have someone from iowa kevin um on this uh kevin sharp is his name oh, wait. someone told me um that des moines has an absolutely fantastic restaurant let me uh let me see if if this is indeed the place and no i don't know if it was brazen no uh, that's in dubuque so so it would not be but there there is um, one of the best restaurants i've eaten at in america this year by the way i, I just got back from tulsa and had two of the best meals of the year Oh, wow. Tulsa. I think one of the things that's happening in this country, and we'll talk about it a little bit this season, is just like, I mean, I just think the notion that you got to be in New York, Los Angeles or San Francisco, you know, it, it, those days are over. I mean, I, it's I've among my list of notable meals this year, like like Tulsa is on the list. And um, there are just a ton of really good restaurants all over the country. And uh, yeah, I, I think that sort of geographical marker means less and less. Yeah, we've got two people from Philadelphia, but nobody from L.A. in this in this cast, I don't think. I mean, at no. least uh, Michelle Minori, she was at Faith and Flower. Uh, isn't that by the, the arena, Staples Center? Yeah, it's about six blocks north of Staples Center. Um, they, had a yeah, milky, so she, they had a milky cocktail that everyone liked, and I forget what it's called. But, uh, it's uh, a, a white Russian. No, 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 it was something else. <laughs> it was milk punch. I think it was like milk punch. And I'm not a sweet cocktail kind of guy, but but that was sort of the thing there. Um, it was a great room. Um, it was a merely decent restaurant. Yeah, I've I've taken uh I've I've taken some basketball people out to dinner because there's I mean where would you go if you're going to Staples Center and you want to get a good meal? There's there's not a ton to work with there. Well, I think you have and to walk, go east now to the distance. arc. Yeah, walking is it's pretty still a dead zone for great restaurants. I think if you get over to the historic core, like you got Shibumi, where I think I've, you and I have eaten. Yes. Um, we had, we had yes. a great meal at Shibumi. So you got to kind of, if you're willing to walk 15 to 20, you've got a ton of options. If you want to go five to 10 minutes from Staples Center in LA Live, other than obviously people like broken Spanish, people like it a lot more than I do. Um, it, it is a perennially highly rated restaurant in los angeles i'm uh i like it less than the masses uh if if we're still doing scouting reports i'll just say that my favorite louisville joint is uh proof on main we've been there together yeah. uh with with your boyfriend and and allison and i the four and madeline i think madeline was there too when we went to proof on Main. that was a very good brunch excellent yes brunch. And then the, my favorite bar, Garage Bar, um, is really super fun. They got ping pong tables outside. They got these like kind of Dale Earnhardt like NASCAR. There's like an accident, almost like a sculpture in the front of the of the the bar area. Um, the, the Garage Bar has great pizzas, great cocktails, great beer. But if you want a, an amazing cocktail, head over to Rye. Have you been to Rye? 
I have not. Rye is an excellent place for uh, for a cocktail in Louisville, of course. But Bourbon. you know where I have been in Louisville? I've been to the Saturday Farmers Market, and that was awesome. <laughs> the, no, the no, not Farmers Market. The flea market. I mean, the flea market. That's right. I, <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking up. Because uh, didn't you and Eric go over to the flea market together? We went to the flea market. It was fantastic. Like a I real love, Americana experience. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a I, I got I got a jo- like a Johnson Humphrey political bumper sticker. It's really cool. <laughs> um, all kinds of crazy stuff. Favorite like, bourbon before we go, Kevin. Favorite bourbon. We, I know you've been off the the hard liquor recently. Um, not too much in it. We used to have a big heyday with bourbon, but what was your favorite bourbon look, when you used? I, to- well, I mean, Pappy obviously is 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 sort of a special category i mean my house bourbon is still michter's rye mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. wonderful i mean i just think for the money is a great i mean pappy van winkle obviously i mean my one of my my late uncle who who and i, and I were, were were very much into that but um so that, if you that have some pappy bourbon. at home send it to uh well, they got ripped off right like they got like robbed i mean that yeah. was sort of the thing a few years ago right like their entire inventory was did they ever catch the people there's a huge story around that, which we should probably tell. I mean, they might bring up Pappy in this season, so maybe we'll uh, we'll hold off on that. But there's a huge little scandal around that. Um, if you are if, a listener and you have information on the heist, <laughs> or have information on where we can get some nice Pappy without, uh, you know, giving having to give away my firstborn daughter, um, that'd be great. If you're not, if you, if the price tag is a little lower than Pappy, I think uh, everyone should go out and try some Noah's Mill. It's super caramelly. It's got a high alcohol content. So this is not something you put in a mixer. You do not put it in a mint julep. Uh, you you certainly don't put it in the baby's bottle, but yes. Don't put it, do not put it in uh, the baby's bottle, but, uh, Noah's Mill is a delicious nightcap. If you're looking for a, a, a heavy, um, bourbon just to just have a little taste while you play cards or while you watch your your late night TV show. Uh, go for the Noah's Mill. Um, and also 610 Magnolia from Edward Lee, who's probably going to be on this season. Um, former Top Chef season nine. Uh, Edward Lee is from Louisville. And I'm probably missing a whole bunch of Louisville ties to Top Chef. But um, I'm excited to see this this season. The rolling hills of Kentucky, the horses, the bourbon. We'll see about the hot brown. I'm not too much of a fan of a hot brown because I always want to take a nap afterwards. It's one of those very heavy, uh, just bacon, uh, open face turkey sandwich with with sauce, and it's it's a heavy dish. So it's one of those if you're hungover after a night of bourbon, go for it. Otherwise, you could probably skip the hot brown. Sorry, Brown Hotel. I should give you a better shout out. Yes, and, and I'm going to go into the streets of Los Angeles and find uh, the goods for my burgoo stew. Um, yes, and find some appropriate roadkill. I, I, we don't really have possums here. We have coyotes and raccoons. I, I think raccoon is a permissible meat in a burgoo. Um, is it? I, I do. I, I think coyotes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you want to eat coyote. It tastes like chicken. <laughs> Uh, one last thing, uh, shout out, uh, a heartfelt shout out to Fati as she, um, battles cancer and, uh, lights up everyone's world. She is, uh, in the pack your knives hearts and hopefully she, uh, will hopefully we'll get to talk to her or just at, at the very least, um, see her beautiful writing that she just wrote a, an amazing story, uh, that you should check out her Instagram 
um, Chef Fati was incredible thing about the lessons that she's learning uh, as she battles uh, this tough diagnosis. So Fati, we love you. Uh, we wish you the best. Uh, and Joe Flam, I just I had a meal with uh, Joe Flam in, in Chicago. Everybody from the season 15, we miss you. We want to have you back on. So if you want to come back on for this season and kind of be our you know, eyes from, from behind the curtain, uh, please give us a shout out. Um, and hopefully these, these contestants, Kevin, are going to be just as likely to come on the show as this last year's. That was super fun. Uh, that would be very cool. The, the, the in season commentary of existing contestants, a lot of fun. Have you seen that? Have you seen that Tyler and Bruce are doing a, a restaurant together in Glastonbury, Connecticut? I did not because, you know, I went to union recently with Eric and learn that that Bruce is no longer uh, at Union and uh, was sorely missed. So Man. I had no idea. So Bruce is going to go back to the East Coast and they're going to do something in Glastonbury. We might. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a, that, that's not a terrible trip for me. We might, we might just have to meet up in Glastonbury at some right? point. They're doing I think it's going to be a pizza joint. Um, I guess they're going to try to take down. uh, uh uh, why am I blanking out on the Frank Pepe's 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 there is uh, enough love for everybody in, in yes, Connecticut. There's yes. enough love and enough pizza for everybody in Connecticut. We needn't take anybody down. Uh, it's celebrate the diversity of pizza. Um, exactly. So, uh, we're looking forward to this season. Um, hit subscribe, rate and review, pack your knives, uh, at your local pod center, wherever you get it. And also tell your friends, uh, and have a Top Chef party this Thursday. Um, I'll be watching, and we'll get back to you guys uh, shortly after the episode. Excited. Indeed. We'll see you soon. All right. All right.